0: Don't you love these guys? Give them one more hand, if you would please, this morning. It's, uh, it is truly a privilege to be on team with, with uh, people who love Jesus, like Pastor Haley and Pastor Jeremy do, and his lo- lovely wife, Heather, my administrative assistant. Uh, just want to thank them for doing a great job handling everything for this month. I usually kind of slow down a little bit in ministry in July. Do a lot of reading and praying and seeking the Lord. We always take our family vacation. We just got back from the beach and had a little bit of time uh, there. Had wonderful time sitting on the balcony and listening to the waves roll in. And I don't know about you, but when I look at that gulf and that just immeasurable amount of water, I always think two things. I think God's grace and I think God's love because it's just immeasurable. There's just so much of it. Whatever, whatever your need is, it'll come crashing in and waves rolling in with his provision, with his peace, with his goodness, with his mercy in our lives. And so we've come back very refreshed. Dawn is not with me this morning. She has taken her mother back to Jonesboro. Her mother was with us on our vacation this year. We had a wonderful time cooking and going and shopping and all kinds of things just hanging out together. So great, great time together. Thank you for your prayers for us. We're thrilled to be back. Uh, These on our team have done a wonderful job. I believe Pastor Haley was last Sunday ministering about the helmet of salvation, the mind of Christ, week before, Pastor Jeremy did an amazing job on the shield of faith. That's the one piece. And if you'll remember, we're talking about this Roman soldier's uh, uniform here because the Apostle Paul was chained between two of them in the Roman prison uh, while he was writing what are called the prison epistles, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and the little bitty one-chapter book of Philemon. And so Paul is looking at these two soldiers, describing them and relating to us the battle that we're in that's not literal, it's not natural, but it's supernatural. It's a spiritual battle. We don't fight against flesh and blood. People are not the issue or the problem. But the spirits that motivate those people sometimes are the issue that we have to realize. We don't need to see a face and name it enemy but we need to see the spirit behind that person that's coming against us and call that the enemy and put on all of this armor. Now let me ask you a question before I have you stand one more time and we read our text together. Whose armor are we putting on? God's armor. Everybody say, put on the whole armor of God. Say that. Put on the whole armor of God. So it's God's armor that we're putting on and we're not talking about literal natural pieces of shields and swords and breastplates and shoes and all of this. But Paul likened every one of these pieces and their function to a particular truth that's found in the Word of God. He talked about truth, girding up our loins, holding everything together, breastplate of righteousness, so we talk about a right standing with God. Uh, Pastor Haley did the helmet of salvation, the mind of Christ, learning to deal with the real battle where it takes place first. That's between your ears, that's pulling down the thoughts, casting down imaginations every high thing which exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ is what 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says. And so all of these things... Helmet, sword, shield, they are truth and peace and righteousness, salvation. And today we're going to be talking about the Word of God. So if you would stand with me please one more time. The title of the message is called Suited with the Word. Say that with me, Suited with the Word. Let's read our text together in he- and not Hebrews, I was in Hebrews on my beach trip. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, here we go. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Let's pray this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we submit our hearts to you today. Guard and guide us in our minds, our thoughts, our understanding, our intentions, our motives. We submit them to you. Search us today. Thank you that the the word of the Lord says the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord Searching all the inward parts of the belly. Lord, take your light, the light of the word. You have, you have lighted us with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Shine it in our hearts. Search us today, O God. Give us ears that hear and eyes that see and understand. We're careful to acknowledge that we cannot do anything apart from you. But Lord, we thank you that with you we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We're careful to give you the praise. Be Lord in this service, and in this place today. And everybody said... Amen. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. We're talking about being suited with the Word, suited with the Word. This is number seven in the series, and actually the text for today, for this message, is just a little half verse. Pastor Haley opened verse 17 last week with the helmet of salvation, talked about that. So this is the second part of verse 17. Read it with me. And the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of of God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now think with me, if you would, every one of these pieces of armor are all defensive except for this one. So your first point this morning, fill in the blank, the one we're talking about today is the only offensive weapon. So we're, we are wielding a sword, a sword that has the ability to do both destructive and constructive things because the sword is the word The Word of God is powerful. We're going to be talking about that in just a moment. And it's not just like a two-edged sword that destroys, but it can and is like a scalpel which can heal. In the hands of a trained surgeon, a sharp instrument that otherwise could destroy someone can bring healing to someone if it's administered properly. And so the Word of God is the same way. It's it is a, a force that is to be reckoned with. So this morning, the, 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 all of these weapons that we are putting on and using have a defensive posture to protect us. The breastplate protects us uh, when the enemy attempts to come against us and challenge our standing with God. The breastplate protects all the vital organs, your heart, your liver, your lungs, everything that brings life force through your body, your blood, your, your breath. These, <coughs> pardon me. Somebody, there it is, somebody's already answered my call. <laughs> was a, was this word say? Before you call, I've already answered. <laughs> a little tickle in my throat this morning. <clears> throat> Apologize about that. And so, what, what we realize is that every one of these things has an important protective function. Uh, the breastplate protects us in all of our vital areas because the enemy would attempt to challenge you as to the state of your heart. Or what really motivates you? What is the source of life? What is the breath in your lungs, so to speak, in terms of why you do what you do? And so we must have on a breastplate that reminds us that we are righteous. We are in right standing with God. Not in our own righteousness, because the Bible says in the book of Isaiah that our righteousness is as filthy rags. But literally, we are clothed, we are robed with, we are garbed with The righteousness of God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, For he who knew no sin, Jesus, was made to be sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So now, because I'm in Christ, the righteousness of God covers me. It surrounds me. When God looks at me, he sees Christ. Christ. When God looks at me, he doesn't see the old B.C., before Christ, sinful creation that I once was because that was when I was dead in sin, but now he sees me alive in Christ and wrapped with the righteousness that Jesus' own life purchased for me. Somebody say amen, okay? Just good, plain gospel truth this morning, what we're sharing. Every one of these particular pieces of armor provides that. I don't have time to review and go back through those pieces this morning, but we're talking about the sword today. The sword which is the word of God. And so I want to get into this just a little bit deeper. The word for word, and I'm not stuttering, but I want to go a little bit deeper because there is a Greek word for the word word. So this is what we want to grab this morning because the Bible says, and the sword of the Spirit, capital S, signifying the Holy Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Everybody say Word. So this word is the word rhema. And if we were really good at Greek pronunciation, there would be a slight roll of the R, not quite like it would be in French. Not like that, but it would be a rhema, sort of a little twisted R. So let's just just do like a bunch of good rednecks, just say rhema. 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 Rhema, that's a rhema, that's the word of God. So what? I know a Greek word now. Well, there's a difference between this word, word, and another word that's in the Bible for the word, word. In the beginning was the Word, John 1, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. So it talks about the creative force of the Word and that's the Greek word logos. Everybody say logos. logos. We know it in terms of brands. You've seen the victory logo because uh, there, there's the logo for this series down there, the little suited You've seen the Victory logo. It's the orange ball and the V. It stands for Victory, okay? You're familiar with the Procter & Gamble logo. You've seen the uh, Johnson's, uh, whatever, the different kinds of things that you Johnson's Baby Powder or any kind of product that you use. You know what you're looking for. If it's Coca-Cola, it's known worldwide. There is a brand that is associated with that logo. So when we talk about the logo of God, Jesus is God's logo, When you see Jesus, you've seen God's brand, okay? So if Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so when we talk about the logos of God, the Word of God, we are talking about the person whose name is Jesus, we're also talking about, and I wish I had a real Bible to hold up today, but you, you get my drift. We're, we, we refer to this word that we can hold that's black ink on white paper or in the Gospels, red ink on white paper. We're talking about the logos, which is the word. We, we use this logos word with anything that has the word ology on the end of it. Biology. Bios is life. Ology is the study or the account or the word of something. Okay? archaeology is the study of ancient things, digging up, you know, out of the ground. Uh, Anthropology, anthropos is man. Ology is the study of, the word, the account of. So anytime we talk about theology, God, study of God, all right? So you get this idea of logos. Logos is critical. It's important. It's Jesus. it It is the written word. But when we see... The the armor that we are using here, every one of these that are defensive except for this one sword, it's offensive. The Bible this time doesn't use the word, Paul doesn't use the word logos for the written word, or logos for the person of the word Christ, but he uses a very specific word, and this word is rhema. And this word rhema, I've given you a whole uh, list of definitions that came from the lexicon there in your notes, and I'm not going to take time this morning to read through them because you're all... Good students, you can read for yourself, but bottom line, it very simply means a now word that is spoken. A word that has been custom made, tailor fit for your specific circumstances that is breathed into you (coughs) by the Lord himself, and it has power, the power of a sword, I'm going to talk about it in just a moment, the ability to... To, to cut the head off the enemy, the ability to be able to destroy any kind of tactics or strategy of the enemy against you. Arema is a word that is right now. It is not just taking the logos and speaking it out loud. Although I, I want to tell you, you will never go wrong. Pardon me, I just, I'm up here like trying to choke. So whatever I'm trying to get out here, just believe with me today, we're going to get this word out. Amen. <coughs> It's not the same as opening your Bible and reading out loud the Logos. That's a wonderful thing. I think that we should commit to memory verses of Scripture. That can be for us an arsenal. It can be tools in our toolbox so that when we deal with circumstances, we can have the wisdom of God's Word that are there for us in a well that we've already dug out We've already hidden the word in our heart. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119, 105. Those of you who've been through Purple Book with me, we've made sure week after week after week that you got this one and a dozen others logged into your memory. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of the Lord. So we understand how important God's word is. It's it's a light to sustain us. It's food to sustain us literally to carry us, it's comfort to cheer us, it's the traveler's map, the soldier's sword. It's all of these things, the pilot's compass. The Word of God is amazing. The Word of God will change you. But I'm not just talking about having a copy of the Holy Bible because this is where I take issue with some of my brothers and sisters and I have followed them, I've studied them, I've read after and been mentored by some of the most remarkable conservative biblical minds of the last 500 years from Martin Luther to the present and I respect them and I love them and I, 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 I'm so grateful for what their lives have done to touch mine and change mine. <coughs> but there's something about the idea among some folks that are almost afraid of the Holy Spirit and though they would, they would speak the Trinity, they would speak the words of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, The way they practically live their lives, it would really almost be an adjusted trinity and it would be God the Father, God the Son, and then the Holy Bible. Not the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Bible. And there are a lot of folks that really give you the impression that um, that God's ultimate aim to have a personal relationship with you was that he was a communicating, creative, speaking God until he finally got some folks to write down what he was saying and get it published in a book and close the book not put anything else in the book. And let me just be clear, we believe in a closed canon of Scripture around here. We're not looking for anybody to add any more or take away from the Bible. It is The Bible is the Bible. It is the complete Word of God. But for us to have the idea that once that Bible was finished and got printed and it got put into your hand, that all of a sudden God became mute and He's not talking anymore, is a bunch of hooey. That's Arkansas for a bunch of nonsense. I believe God is talking right now. I believe that people just aren't listening. I I believe that that too often people are looking for the spectacular and they look for the spectacular and miss the supernatural because we're looking for bells and whistles and fireworks and all of this great drama and a lot of over-the-top kind of stuff. And let me tell you, I believe that God does do some things that are pretty spectacular, but sometimes God just sort of comes in like a quiet snow on a winter's eve and he just blankets you with his presence and his provision and his peace and all of these things. Sometimes it's not a fireworks show. Sometimes it's not a lot of drama. Sometimes it's just stillness and quiet. As a matter of fact, I was at the beach this week, and I was reading through the the, the two Old Testament books of Kings, First and Second Kings, and the the division of the ten tribes to the north in Israel that becomes Samaria, and then the two tribes that remained faithful, Judah and Benjamin, in the south, and. After Solomon passes off to Rehoboam and Jeroboam and they split, and, and we've got all these evil kings in Israel that becomes known as Samaria, and then we've got the kings that occasionally have a revival in, in the southern kingdom around Jerusalem. And I'm, I'm reading about this prophet by the name of, of Elijah, and you talk about a strange dude. I mean, he's dressed in leather coming out up out of the wilderness, and he's, he's eating all kinds of crazy things. And you know, sometimes we get a little bit sideways with somebody because their ministry is a little different than we necessarily like or that appeals to us. Maybe it's not our style. What do you think you might have thought about Elijah coming up out of the wilderness? And a dude who looks at Ahab and Jezebel and just basically says, it ain't going to rain until my word, until I say so, stands up with the prophetic word of the Lord in his mouth. He's dealing with the the, the government and the powers that be in those days and speaking the word of the Lord. And there was a time, literally, where the Bible says there was an earthquake and Elijah looked, but the Lord was not in it. That's definitely sensational. There was a fire, but the Lord was not in it. There was a great wind, but the Lord was not in it. And then Elijah says, but the Lord was in the still, small voice. Say that with me. The still, small voice voice. And too many times we look for the spectacular and we miss the supernatural. What I'm trying to tell you this morning is that God has a tailor-made, perfectly fit for your situation, word that he wants to speak into your heart that will be a sword for you that will cut off the head of the enemy that you're battling with. Now, let's don't lose sight of the importance of taking the actual Logos, taking the Word and quoting it because Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. Mark 1 says He was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. When He showed up in that dank, dark, difficult place, and the enemy tempted him at his weakest point after 40 days of fasting. And he said, if you really are the son of God, then make these stones into bread. Jesus took the word, spoke the word that was already written that he had committed into his heart. He looked at Satan and he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He was tempted spirit, soul and body and he won every time and all points tempted like as we are yet without sin because he took the word and used the sword of the spirit against the enemy in the face of his temptation in the face of what the enemy was trying to do to dissuade him from his identity as the son of God and the devil has no new tricks he will challenge you if you really were a Christian you wouldn't be struggling with that thought you just had well he's the one who pushed it through there looking for a place, looking for a foothold, looking for an opportunity for something to land and to lodge. This is where the sword of the Spirit, the rhema of God's Word. And let me just tell you, it's personal. There are times... Most of the time, the word that I hear in the still small voice of my spirit is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, I will send you another comforter and he will bring all things into remembrance those things which I have spoken to you. The Holy Spirit, most of the time, is going to remind you of a word that you've already read in the word, capital W, that you've heard Probably me or another pastor preach or someone on TV or the radio or through the internet or MP3 or whatever you're listening to, but you've heard something, and then in a moment, it's like the Spirit of God quickens that to you. Come on, have you ever heard the old-timers say it that way? The Lord quickened it to me. Well, it's just an old English way of saying that he made it alive. He took something that otherwise was just sort of, yes, it's the Bible, it's God's Word, but he made it have a personal application to me, by quickening it to me, by making it alive to me. This is really no different than your grandparents who used to sing the great hymn talking about standing on the promises of Christ my King through eternal ages. Let His praises ring. Glory and honor we will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. You go to the Word and you see that God has an answer for the problem you're facing and you take it to him and you pray it to him and you say, God, this is what your word says and I put my trust in you. I ask you to move in my circumstance, in my situation. That's taking the sword of the spirit and dealing with the enemy that wants in your life. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Come on. Now, I love to take the word, but I just want you to realize this morning that Just because we have a wonderfully completed copy of the Holy Bible doesn't mean that God has stopped talking. I believe that God is talking to us right now. There are multiplied variations of all kinds of waveforms that are coming through this room. I'm speaking through a wireless device with a receiver in that end of the sound booth and it's translating what I'm saying into and putting it out through this speaker system. It's actually going out on the internet on a radio station that's producing our service live right now. If you have that tuned in on your smartphone or your tablet or your uh, laptop or whatever, you can pick up what I'm saying right now and be in Australia on the other side of the world because you have a receiver that's turned on. There are FM radio signals that are coming through this room. Come on, I'm really going to date myself when I crank this up, but when I went to North Carolina in the 1980s and I was out there for several years in Bible school, I remember I rolled back into town late one Friday night. It was the end of the week, and I was coming home to visit my folks, at maybe around 83 or 84 or something. And I turned on, and my radio's picking up FM 100. I hear Memphis. Come on, help me calling me home. My radio's picking up, picking up FM one. Come on, you remember that? Why did my radio pick up FM 100? And I had the device turned on. I had a receiver and it was live. So you, you, there, are, there are Wi-Fi signals in the room. There are cellular signals in the room. But you don't hear them because you're not turned on and tuned in. Do, 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 do you hear what I'm saying? The Spirit of God is speaking to hearts right now. That's, that's the powerful thing that happens here when we preach, when people go, you know what? I think you were reading my mail. just like you've been hanging out at my house. How did you know to preach? what? And I said, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. But the Spirit of God does. And he can take what's being said here and make it personal to your life. Make it become a rhema that can become a sword that you can take the head of the enemy off with. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together. <laughs> Give the Lord praise. You get anything out of this? All right, let's roll couple little stories here real quick, and I'm going to give you three things. Two stories, a couple of mighty men that were in the administration of King David. Started out kind of a mess. Matter of fact, I believe it's 1 Samuel 23 where it talks about David's out in the king of Adullam, and it says that they heard him being out there, about him being out there, and it says all of those that came to him were in debt, distressed, and discontent. That literally is in the Bible, in the King James. All of those who came to David to celebrate him because they knew he was running from Saul were those that were in debt, distressed, and discontent with the, with the current administration. And you know what? That's kind of what I feel like when I started Victory Church. That's what everybody that showed up. They were in debt, distressed, and discontent. How many of you know that even if you're a mess, that if you stay together long enough, And you let the Spirit of God work on you. Come on, I'm talking to some marriages right now. If you don't quit, if you don't get, everybody remember that guy who quit? No, nobody ever remembers the quitter. Folks remember the the people who hang on and keep going. And, And they take a mess and let God turn it into a message. And they take a test and let the Lord make it a testimony in their lives. Come on, somebody. If you can can hang on and you can put your trust in God, God can take the mess that is in the middle of all of these guys and he can end up making some mighty men out of them. And this is the story that I want you to see. Four quick little verses right over here. Two guys, and next to him among the three mighty men was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the son of Ahohai. How many of you know if your daddy's name is Dodo, you better be a mighty man? I don't know about you, but I mean, you can know what this guy was getting at junior high school. Eleazar, son of Dodo. He was with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle, and the men of Israel withdrew. Look at this. He rose and he struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clung to the sword. I love that. Clung to the sword. In other words, he had battled so long and so furiously that by the time it was over with, they had to go, hey, come on, come on, a couple of you are the mighty men, come over here, and let's pry Eliezer's fingers away from the, the sheath or from the handle of the sword that he was carrying. What I'm saying to you is that there are times in your life that you need to make the determination that you become one with the Word of God. You get it in your mouth, you get it in your hands, not to destroy, not to be preachy towards somebody else who's struggling with something. No, we need to have truth, but we need to speak it in love. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you who you loose it on and you don't worry about any love, and that's the devil. That's the, 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 the thoughts that come against you in your mind. You start speaking out loud against. You, you're, you have a thought battle? You know, the best thing you do is you start speaking out of your mouth because you can't think one thing and say something else, some other words. That's the reason we repeat the the Bible. That's the reason we memorize it and we quote it, we confess it. Because the Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue, Proverbs tells us. Literally, when I make the decision to use my mouth, it's not just a a, a literal battle, a physical fight, a a real sword with two edges, but it's the sword of the Spirit that is coming out of my mouth. It's the spoken Word of God. It's the rhema of God. Now, let, let me give you an example there, there are multitudes of these that I could share, but this is just one that comes to mind right now in this service. It's a different one than what I shared in the first service. We came here and started this church. We were living in the same house with my parents, we, except we came home and we'd multiplied. We had a son. And so all of a sudden, the, the bedroom that I grew up in now has become home for me, my wife, and my son. And we're there for about three months until we're able to actually secure some employment and find a house. And in the process, you know, it's a little difficult. We'd, we never did have a big fight or knock down, drag out, but there was tension because really one roof is only made for one family. And if you if you do it, then, then you're really good and you're growing and you're, you're understanding patience and all these kinds of things. But it was difficult because there were multiple generations. We got a little baby that's waking up in the middle of the night and crying and and I'm going in there and trying to get bottled and warm it up. And Dewey's in the middle bedroom, and he's going, just give him the bottle. And I hear Dewey say that in his sleep, you know, because <laughs> Drew's in the front bedroom crying. And so Dawn is going, Michael, we've got to find a place. We've got to get out of here. We love your folks, but this is just not, you know, we need to have our own space. And I said, yes, baby, I understand, appreciate that. And so I began to pray. I fasted for about three days, and I was in prayer. And middle of the night, I sat up in the bed without being awake and I sat up in the bed and said Carlisle and Dawn shook me and she knew that there was a girl in college that I dated whose name was Carlisle <laughs> and I said no no baby I promise you there wasn't any nothing that going on it was not, not, a, not a wrong kind of dream or anything some of you are going I can't even believe he said that in church Like you had never had a dream. So anyway, I just set up, I just set up and said Carlisle. And it's like everything, I was working for Health First Medical Group in Memphis at the time as a junior accountant, and, and like all of a sudden everything Carlisle started exploding. I saw Carlisle truck lines, and I'm going, What are you, Lord, what are you trying to say? And we were riding around West Memphis, Marion, looking for a house. And Dawn had specifically said, Michael, I, this is my prayer. I'm, I'm going to put in a specific request to the Lord. I want a little white two-story house on a corner with a fenced-in backyard. I said, okay, baby, we're going to pray. And we prayed, and we kept looking. We're going everywhere. And we have real estate people that are showing us houses in the area. <clears throat> and so finally one afternoon, we were in the back seat of my little Aunt Lucille's Cadillac. and We were riding around. Mom's up in the front with her, and Drew sitting in the back with us. And we happened to be heading down Balfour. And we would never even looked in this little area, this older houses. And so we turned the corner, and right there on the corner, there was a for sale sign of a little white two-story house with a fenced-in backyard. And Dawn said, oh, let's look at that. And I turned around and looked out the back window of Antler Steel's Cadillac, and I looked back there, and it said Carlisle. <laughs> and I said, yeah, we're going to look at this house. <laughs> and now, you know what? You can believe that or not. I know that's reality in my life. You can you can do everything you can to explain that away, but I know that I sat up in the middle of the night, dream visions type state, and I said, Carlisle, and God opened the door. We lived in that little house for seven years. You can still drive by it right over there. That's where we used to live in Carlisle. I can tell you a hundred more stories of what the Lord has done by speaking a word to me or reminding me of a scripture. When we were looking for property to build, and I'm going out all over the place and got real estate agents involved again. We're trying to find stuff, and I'm... I, I'm just looking everywhere I can. I ended up finding the 30 acres, which is now ours and paid for. We're very excited about that. Let me just stop and just give you a real p- little quick parenthesis of right here because some of you are wondering. We were talking about building and all of a sudden everything kind of stopped. Let me just let me just give you a little quick uh, report. We were in the midst of drawing up plans, and we had an older gentleman who had been recommended to us by Life Church in Memphis. He had drawn up all their plans for their renovations and their additions and everything, and so he came, highly recommended to us, and I met with him uh, early October, and we were going to get the ball rolling, I said next, we're going to meet this next time, then I was diagnosed with prostate cancer, and so crazy set of circumstances happened, and they ended up getting me in real quick, and somebody said, it's just kind of hush, hush, nobody really ever heard anything about it, that was not really intentional, it's just kind of how quick things happened, and so I was praying for speedy d- the Lord to deal with it. And these robots that they do the surgery with are booked up literally months in advance. And one, while I was sitting in the office at Conrad Pearson um, Clinic, she walked in. She says, you're not going to believe this. We just had a cancellation five minutes ago. Do you want it? I said, that's mine. Put my name on it. And that's why it happened that fast. And so then there was, we were recovering in November, December. And then I ended up back in the hospital in January with staph infection that about killed me. And it uh, was another six or eight weeks to recover. So I finally got back with our architect again. We met in March. Y'all, we met in March, first of March, then the end of March. And then we're supposed to meet again in the middle of April because we'd drawn up plans. And then I couldn't get a hold of him. I kept calling, I kept calling, I, kept, I met with our FIT team, financial integrity team. I told him, I said, I don't know what's going on. By this time, it had been six weeks we'd not heard any word. And so June Quentin on our FIT team decided to just Google his name, Hugh V. Northern was his name and we found his obituary so our architect passed away and so then just the last couple of weeks we've been trying to take what we had already started with to go to another, fortunately we never paid out a dime but he'd drawn up the beginnings of our plans for us and so we were shopping trying to find somebody else that would be willing to step in and sort of take us beyond that point. And we're still in negotiation right now. We hadn't found that yet, so I just want to give you a quick update, okay? So you'll know what's going on. We're not dragging our feet, uh, but it's just a crazy set of circumstances that happened. La- Everybody look at your neighbor and say, sometimes life happens. And so that's what was going on. Anyway, we were looking for the property, and I kept looking around, and I, I kept seeing this piece in Marion out there, at what used to be called Airport Roads, now College Boulevard. And it's like the Lord just really impressed me with it. And laid this on my heart, and I, I kept praying, God, I need a word from you. And he quickened the word out of revelation to me that said, Behold, I've set before you an open door which no man can shut. And so I began to walk by that property, and the Lord reminded me, he quickened to me a word out of Joshua where the Lord spoke to Abraham. and he, Remember, he said to Abraham, he said, As far as your eye can see, it's yours. But when Joshua started possessing the land, he said, Every place where the sole of your foot shall tread will be yours. And so, y'all, I got up an hour early, at least three days a week, sometimes five days a week, and I was out there walking all the way around that 30 acres. And I took my shoes off a few times because I remember I was kind of a literalist to every place where the sole of your foot shall touch. And I'm out there walking across that gumbo (laughs) in a few places, and I remember Bedford Little who used to haul sand would drive by and honk his horn, and Bedford would go, what's that crazy preacher out there doing? Bedford's in our first service he comes to the nine o'clock service and I mentioned this this morning he waved his hand and said that's true I saw it. Now you can think that's crazy all you want to but God gave us the property paid for it not even a flinch period but I heard the word of the Lord God spoke it to my heart it became a rhema to me. What am I, 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 there's, there's a hundred other stories I could stop and tell you how God has whispered something into my spirit and as much as I love and respect the guys that tell you that God doesn't do that anymore, a guy with an experience that is based in the word of God is never at the mercy of a fellow who only has an argument. You can tell me God doesn't heal anymore and I can tell you times when the Lord has healed my baby. You tell me the Lord doesn't heal and I can tell you when he's done miraculous things, when when there was no hope and God's turned things around in this church. Come on. If there's any faith in you this morning, it's going to rise. It's going to grow. It's going to emerge. It's going to increase because that's what happens when we begin to hear how great and how big and how awesome our God is. Kurt Baser told me a few years ago, he said, you know, I just never could get away from that simple little verse in Jeremiah 33, 3 that says, call unto me and I will answer thee and I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Now, guess what, folks? If if your indicator of whether something was legit is whether you know it, then you've just cut yourself off from everything that God wants to show you, a whole lot of stuff you don't know about. That's how big and how awesome he is. All right, one more. Let's get this. Next, next one, and next to him was Shammah, the son of Agi the Herorite. The Philistines gathered together at Lehi where there was a plot. Lehi, you didn't know that. See, a lot of these little places in Arkansas are Bible names. <laughs> where there was a plot, uh, plot of ground full of lentils, and the men fled from the Philistines. But he took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended it and struck down the Philistines, and the Lord worked a great victory. Some of you are going, wait a minute. This, this is a patch of peas. Why do you care if the Philistines take a patch of peas? Well, how many of you know if the patch belongs to you, you care? And this is what you have to do. You have to get determined... You have to start saying, no, devil, this pea patch is mine. This pea patch is my family. This pea patch is my marriage. This pea patch is my children. This pea patch is my business. This pea patch is my job. This pea patch is my church. And no, devil, you're not going to take it. And the Lord will do a great victory through you when you get that kind of determination. But there will be a time when you'll have to just hold on to the word so that you become part of it and it becomes one with you. And you stand up against the enemy. Three things. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? I'm going to end it right now. Three things real quick. Here we go. Number one, the word is alive. Everybody say alive. alive. Hebrews 4.12. Let's grab it. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. We'll stop right there. It's alive. There's something about this. Let me just tell you, I can be down and I can, I can turn on some worship music or I can just say the name of Jesus or I can open up the Psalms and just see David's struggles and how in the middle of it he starts to say, God, I, because of you I can run through a troop and I can leap over a wall and with God uh, all of the enemies have to flee before you. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered and even as smoke is driven away by the wind. And I start to see the testimony of the Lord working and moving in a life of someone who was a praiser, who was a warrior, who was a poet, who became a king. And he did so because he was faithful to the word of God. He took up that sword and it became part of him because he knew that the word is alive. This is not just black ink on white paper. It's not just red ink on uh, white paper in the Gospels. But this book will change your life. If you'll just open it and just say Some of you might be visiting this morning You might be wandered in here And might even wonder What is this that I'm in Don't quite understand it Don't know what's going on It feels pretty good A lot of love A lot of warmth A little bit of laughter Never been to church like this before Let me just say If that's you today And you're not confident That God is who he says he is If you'll just say God if you're real Show me God if you're real Show me And I promise you God will meet that prayer of faith Right there He will make himself known to you in a powerful way. Why? Because his word is alive. Number two, the word is active. The word is active. The the Greek word there is energeo. Literally, it's the energy that's provided by the presence of God. As we worship this morning, just hearing Scott sing Cornerstone, that he's Lord of all in the middle of the storm, just hearing you Lift up your voices in the presence of God and lifting your hands and singing that great old hymn that's been kind of made new and fresh again. Just so touched me and it stirred energy because the Spirit of God is active. He's moving inside of us. Finally, well, let me quote Jeremiah 1:12. The Bible says the Lord hastens over his word to perform it. If you get a word, if you have a promise on which you can stand, I promise you, God is not going to let it come back empty. Finally this morning, and I'm finished, very, very bottom. The word is assigned. So I've given you three A's there this morning. This is your triple A. It's alive, it's active. (coughs) Pardon me. And finally, it's assigned. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. It's one of my favorites. You should commit this one to memory. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, empty. But it shall accomplish that which I purpose and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Look at this. This is just a quick little message right there. It is purposed. It is productive. It is prosperous. If you will learn to do what your grandmother used to sing about, standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory and honor we will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. Very simply, when you realize that God has quickened, He's made alive, He's given you a rhema for a promise of God for you to stand on and believe and put your trust in Him, that becomes a sword in your hand where you can cut the head of the enemy off who is attempting to distract you, to persuade you differently, to make you doubt, to send you in under a cloud of fear and unbelief. It is the Word of God every time that has carried me. It's He's given me instructions about my marriage. He's given me guidance about this church. He's brought encouragement to me when I didn't feel like I had anybody that would or could encourage me around me. Come on, somebody. The Word is it's just, this, it's just this amazing, powerful uh, uh, expression of God's love for you. Who will, he will change you. He, 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 will, he will literally empower you in such a way that it's indescribable because it's alive, it's active, and it's a sign. What God says out of His Word has the ability to perform what He's spoken. Light be, Light was. God's Word has creative ability. When When it goes out of His mouth, it doesn't come back empty. It doesn't come back void. But it comes back with a result. Now, out of all of God's creation, you and I, as humans, have the Imago Dei stamped in us. Even though it's been marred and broken by sin, we uniquely have the ability to speak the creative Word of God in the very same way that God did you can use words right now when you leave this service and you can create a mood in your home you can bring dissent and strife or you can bring love and forgiveness and peace and mercy and encouragement you can lift someone up you can help somebody to see their circumstance from a different perspective and begin to put their trust in God and reach for something higher than they've ever reached for before. Or you can take the same words out of your same mouth and you can turn them and you can discourage and you can create doubt. You can send somebody into the depths of depression because your words have power. Life and death are in the power of the tongue because you've been created and made in the image of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? What you say is important. I'm going to do, I'm, I'm, this is what we're going to launch into August. As I was at the beach, I really felt the Lord speak to me out of the book of Hebrews. Jesus, who is the, the, the apostle and the high priest of our confession. So we're going to talk about what faith talk is about. We had not talked about that in a long time here at Victory. Because God has some great things for us, I believe, ahead in the, in the months this next year. I believe it's going to be an amazing season. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Hallelujah. Let's bow our hearts together.